Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. We invite people of all backgrounds to share their stories. Through nuanced conversations. And forward thinking. And not taking ourselves too seriously. Everyone's story matters. Every voice is important. Life is polarizing. But not everything is black and white. Come join us as we fade to gray. What's up, Fade to Gray family? This is Chris, and we have quite the cast of characters on the roundtable today. We have Omar. What up? We've got Seth. You know hey these there. guys, but uh, new to the podcast today are our very special guests to talk about health. We've got Dr. Pete, and we also have uh, Jonathan. Is it Guyman? Correct. Jonathan Guyman, uh, who has his own podcast. Uh, what, what's your podcast called, Jonathan? Uh, my podcast is called The Joe Health Show. Nice. Joe Health. Okay. And I think that's pretty uh, accurate because today we are talking about health and I think it's going to be a really fun conversation because, well, it may be that the the doctor uh, and Jonathan do not agree maybe, uh, but we're going to keep it civil. Uh, we are certainly not uh, here for debate. We're here to fade to gray on health. Okay. So um, first and foremost, doc, I'd like to ask you, um, what exactly uh, are your credentials and what are you a doctor of? I'm a family practice doctor. So that means I'm one of the guys who could not make up his mind. <laughs> <laughs> Medical school. Ooh, I like that. Oh, I like that. I like that. I couldn't, you know, I found out if you make up your mind, you make twice as much money. Uh, So a family practice doctor graduated uh, University of Missouri in 1992 and residency program in uh, Springfield, Missouri in 95 and practicing in Wentzville, Missouri uh, since 95. Wentzville is like near St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, uh, west of St. Louis, about 45 minutes from the arch. Okay. Okay. And Jonathan, um, what are your credentials? Why are you able to talk about health? That's a great question. Um, I share from my experience. Um, officially, I did six months of training with the Primal Health Coach Institute. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't prescribe anything. I don't I don't uh, make meal plans. I don't do anything like that. I just help coach people along making dietary and lifestyle changes and uh, 
and have my own experience of gaining and losing over a hundred pounds over the course of my life and, you know, finding out what works and what's been the most sustainable and, and doing my best to do some of the research and look into some of the studies and, you know, and find the credible names out there to uh, help point people in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that. I mean, everybody should be able to talk about health. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm a family practice doctor, but I'm not a endocrinologist, you know, but, you know, so it, there's always levels of, of expertise, but your own personal expertise, what you bring to the table. I found in the last several years, I've got to learn more motivational speaking. You know, I got enough science, but I got to, I have to motivate people. I have to ch- get yeah. people to change, to see that they need change. You know, so motivational speaking is huge. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, how many people who are overweight have come into your office and you've told them what they need to do and they've just kind of blown it off, right? Well, that's why I've started taking much a bigger, bigger issue with it. And when I started in the 90s, only 10% of the U.S. population was obese. It's over 33% now. It's, it's grown. I mean, and when we talked about diabetes in medical school, I said, okay, type 1, lots and lots of lectures on type 1. Type 2, oh, there's a few people at type 2, but oh, we'll just give them the insulin that we give the type 1s. And, you know, and oh, we got this new cool stuff called metformin at the time, you know. And that's all that there wasn't a lot of talk about it because it wasn't a big issue in 92. Hmm. And now it's just exploded. It's everything. What do you think is the primary cause of that? There are so many things. Um, uh, so many things have changed since uh, World War II changed a lot of things. Uh, we became very rich, you know, and we're having the disease of rich people, you know, that we, uh, we're, we're doing too well, you know, uh, and uh, so much has changed, uh, the, the packaging, the foods. I tell my patients, if you got to open up a package, to get to your food, there's a problem. If you open up a package to get to the package, please stop that eating that food. Yeah. You know? Oh, and come on. I think I might go. like you. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're on the go so much and, and, you know, and I break all my rules, but it's just, you know, uh, I'm trying to get people away from extremism you know, where people just eat one thing or eat just one way too much. I'm, you know, we've got to find the balanced approach to this in a, in a reasonable lifestyle. Uh, preaching at people doesn't work. I've tried to get all the emphasis off of weight loss and just on let's eat healthy. Let's eat food for longevity's sake. Uh, and if you're eating healthy, you have a good ha- appetites, the weight loss will come, you know, and, and then it's easier to cut the calories once you're eating the right foods. And what exactly would you say are the right foods? Everything. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't sound like uh, a vegan to me. I never, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure where the vegan thing came up there. I call myself a meat minimalist just because okay. I had to make up a word because I didn't like being labeled. Uh, veganism to me is a religion. It's, a, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it has an ethos and I respect their ethos. Uh, I would, I would never insult them. But it's an, it's an extremism that is, you know, they have to be careful not to make sure that they get enough B12, make sure they get enough vitamin D. There, there's deficiencies if they're not careful. Yeah. Uh, whereas a balanced diet, there's no worries about deficiencies. You know, you're getting, you know, uh, extremism causes problems, you know. What is a balanced diet anymore, though, Doc? Because when I grew up, it was the food pyramid and you had carbs on there and sugars and now... Now oh, they're telling that you have diets. That- I had I had the square meal. I'm so old, you know. Um, <laughs> the, the, probably the best one would be the uh, the Harvard ha- has one. Their um, 
School of Public Health has come up with a healthy eating plate because even put water on there. Uh, it's, uh, you know, half the plate would be fruits and vegetables, a quarter would be grain, and a quarter would be meat or, or protein of, of, of your preferred source. They're trying not to offend anybody, so it could be meat. It could be, uh, you know, beans and nuts and, and other things. And so uh, with the emphasis on eating the water and a few things that, you know, that, that are on the be careful list and not so much of list, uh, that's probably the most balanced. I call mine the aging as optional diet, you know, and just focus on, um, you know, foods that have uh, evidence for longevity uh, and uh, try and avoid the foods that have increased risk for heart attacks and cancers. And it's a re reducing it. On my birthday, I had a filet mignon. Right. You know, right. Uh, yeah, but that was my birthday. I would yeah. not have filet mignon every day. Gotcha. You know? uh, and so uh, my wife gave me a slice of salami today. You know, a slice of salami, though. You know, and I like the flavor. So it's 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 flavor. It's enjoying. Uh, when I have ice cream, I grab a big spoon and grab myself some ice cream. But you know, the three scoops of ice cream is gone. Right. You know, I I was right. a uh, I had you know everybody has their health journey. I had the uh, eat a uh, uh, well the drumstick, one of those Nestle drumstick things every night. So a meat minimalist then. So yeah. your diet would look like, what would you say, 80% then vegetable, 20% like meat? Um, well, I mean, you know, as far as I would break it down into protein sources and other protein sources, meat's one of them. Okay. You know, I, I go for uh, three ounces of meat a day. Okay. You know, so a, a, a cooked quarter pound hamburger patty or um, – you know, uh, an egg or two, you know, actually that'd be, that'd be two eggs. Would that be something that you would recommend to other people then? Or is that just something you found yeah, that works this is for you? A recommendation. So. I, I have a, I have a written out plan. I hand my patients, uh, including, including a grocery list, you know, say, so, you know, and so I, you know, they really appreciate the grocery list. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, well, I'm curious, uh, as someone who might be on a different diet plan than what you're prescribing, uh, Jonathan, what does your diet look like and uh, what do you also promote to the people that you're helping out? Right. Um, I will start. I wanted to, I wanted to jump in a little bit earlier too and say, Dr. Montgomery, thank you for um, those words, everything you've shared. Um, I think what you guys do in, in the profession, you're slammed with patients that come in that have diseases related to lifestyle and diet. And it's super hard for you to say, Hey, make this change in your life. It's super hard in that short amount of time that you're in the, under that pressure because you have to see all the patients um, mm -hmm. to be able to give enough advice and encouragement and motivation to those patients in that time period for them to make a sustainable change. And I think that's where health coaches come in on the back end Amen. and then to help work with the doctors, make sure numbers are good, make sure health is good. And day in and day out, check in with that patient, make sure, Hey, how'd you do at breakfast today? Hey, how'd you do at lunch today? And, uh, you really didn't say a whole lot in there that I, I disagreed with yet. So, uh, I definitely think we're on the same page with, with our health, you know, the epidemic that's in America today. Um, I go a little bit opposite route and I'm a, I should say I'm an abstainer. If there's the abstainers and the moderators, mm -hmm. I yeah. can't, if I eat that scoop of ice cream, I'm out, man. I gotta eat the Me whole too. thing. I am the um, same way. 
there's a I'm lot of people now similar. that <laughs> it's it's uh I, I don't know what there's there's obviously causes to that so i i don't often always go for the just a little bit of everything i'm more of just a meat and plants guy um just nothing but meat and plants and that can vary depending on your activity levels as a person um, right. i'm i'm more meat heavy uh i found that i feel really good eating good quality pasture raised meat from the farm next door to me uh, so I get every couple months a quarter of a cow, and I might eat a filet mignon every day, even though it's not my birthday. I'm <laughs> uh, not really a filet mignon yeah, every day, um, but I eat probably eighty percent of my day is you know pasture pasture raised quality grass fed meat from the farm down here, or some fish, some nice wild caught fish. Uh, we have chickens in our backyard for eggs, uh, and mm-hmm. I'm big. I'm a big nose the tail fan too. Uh, I eat a lot of organ meats. I do a yes. lot of bone broth. Um, just yes. knows the tail stuff, liver, heart, uh, kidneys. You know, we, I'd made a cow tongue for the first time the other day. Um, because turn that I, into a I taco my, brother, dude, a lot of people said taco. <laughs> it was weird eating something that's in your mouth, like a tongue. It, it was just, was I've awful, had lingua before when I was, <laughs> was in really good. Central America. I mean, the flavor's okay. I couldn't get past the texture. Uh, it still oh, had yeah. like it's the good. taste buds were still on there and I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I just it, was, couldn't do it. it was interesting. I don't know if I'm going to do that one again because I don't know that there's enough nutrients in the tongue that I can't get from other like the liver and, you know, kidneys. Well, the liver, I believe, is the most nutrient dense thing you could ever eat, right? Yeah. Animal, what I've, what I've learned, animal protein is a really good bioavailable source of micro and macronutrients, obviously. Um, but my big three, I mean, aside from me, I don't push, I don't push that on other people though. Like that's me personally. Um, the biggest things that I follow for people is grain consumption is through the roof. It's a really nutrient poor, uh, white flours, enriched flours, things like that. Just basic breads and pastas. I think that it's, if it's a one and it's once in a while thing, fine. Every but the day, pyramid, like Jonathan, the pyramid. Ah, the pyramid, whatever. Oh, we're, big, the we're beyond now. the pyramid. We're to the plates now. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so, <laughs> so the I, I, the yeah, I really just push, you know, an, a, a strong elimination of grains, of sugars, of mostly added and refined sugars. I know you're still going to get sugars through fruits and things like that. I'm not sure. really worried about that. But just the refined sugars and a lot of those vegetable oils like soybean, you know, and all of those, you know, industrialized processed vegetable oils and sticking with something like a nice mm-hmm. olive oil, avocado oil, ghee, something like that. So those are the three things that I just say, hey, and then also with the grocery list, the big approved list of meat and plants and, you know, healthy fats, you know, the omega threes, making sure that omega three and omega six, you know, ratio is in a, in a good balance yeah. um, and, and help people figure out how to do that today in today's food environment. I am really curious. I, I would like to know, like, what are the results that you guys have seen? Because you, you kind of, I guess you each prescribe or at least promote uh, different diets, completely different diets. Uh, what is the success rate like of the people that you're giving these respective diets? Uh, when we start, when I started um, kind of about three and a half years ago, I caught wind of the keto diet, you know, through the bad Christian community. And uh, I found out I had to give up carbs and and I didn't know what a carb was at the time. And then I found out I had to get rid of the jelly bellies that were in my pocket. Um, (laughs) I didn't want to do it, but he started a Facebook group about, you know, about keto, helped a bunch of people and collectively 
since that inception, maybe we've helped people lose over 6,000 pounds. Holy um, I've helped people get off of, you know, their certain medications, seen them get off their diabetes medications. Uh, I've seen people, uh, get off their statins. Um, it, it varies mm-hmm. like my, just my own health is, has gotten, you know, better. And, um, so it varies. It's a lot of weight loss, you know, but you just see people feeling better. So, I haven't had anybody that I'm aware of adopt a meat, like a meat and plant diet, not feel better. Yeah. And that's how it is with, with most, uh, changes. You get similar results with basically anytime you get people stopping what I call the standard American diet, which is yep. abbreviation is sad. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. And, uh, people come to me, I got new, I saw taking new patients and I'm like, yeah, my goal is to make you feel as healthy as possible. Uh, and then live as long as possible on the level. And yeah, I'm the medicine pusher. So my thing is people, nobody wants to be on a statin. And I go, I hear you. You know, let's get, let's make changes so I can be on a statin. Let's get you off. People come to me on insulin. Insulin's a growth hormone. And it does not make you taller. <laughs> okay. And so I, I want to get people off of insulin. Um, you know, lots of people say, yeah, your sugars get better on insulin. And after about two years of being on insulin, as a type two diabetic, they start going up. And then what do you do? You already used your big gun. Uh, so if I can get people to change their diets, I can first get them off the insulin. Then let's, let's knock down the number of pills they're on. So the type of food we eat really has a big impact on our overall trajectory in life in regards yeah, to sustainability and happiness. Right. And so Absolutely. I try to keep, get people away from the emotional context of the weight. And, and the weight loss, I just focus on longevity and feeling better. Uh, and if you eat healthy food, you are full, and then it's easier to count the calories and actually get the weight down. So, when, you know, I f- first started doing, you know, I got all the lectures sent, pushed at me when I started doing my own research. Uh, I looked at long, longevity studies, you know, outcomes. Uh, and medicine started doing that about the same time I hit medical school. Before, I was always focused on blood pressure, cholesterol, and all the numbers, all, all the markers of health. And then they started going, well, let's break it down. What actually heart attacks, strokes, cancer, uh, the causes of death, what's actually reducing those? And does this, between these two blood pressure medicines, which one has less heart attacks after people have been on it for five years or 10 years, do long-term studies? I'm like, oh, so this blood pressure medicine is better than this one, even though they're both getting the same blood pressure number reduction. Uh, so outcome studies are the key of medical science now. We're, we're just not looking at you know biomarkers anymore. They're interesting. They, they give you ideas. LDL cholesterol is, is a good guide. But how, you do, how do you do what you do? Some people live longer. And that's the whole point. So I got a question for the both of you. And I, I don't know who wants to go first. But say you have a somebody with diabetes in the history of their family and just recently and this is a buddy of mine who's probably going to end up listening to this podcast um you know was recently diagnosed with diabetes and is looking at different options of like what to do he really like doesn't know which direction to go um i mean do you need more information for that or what would you say in that i mean that's kind of vague but what direction would you might point somebody First thing about people is it's, it's fear. He's afraid right now. When people get a diagnosis, they're afraid. Uh, the first day of medical school, the dean got up and said, welcome to the field of fear management. <laughs> you know, and he didn't say fear reduction. It's fear management. You know, right. uh, some people, you know, the guy who's smoking three packs a day, he needs a little more fear. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm raising his fear, but most people it's, I'm addressing their fear. What are you afraid of? What's going on? And people, it's the family history. I've seen this in my family. I don't want this happening to me. So I'm like, let's address that fear. Uh, let's give the people a sense of control. You know, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, and, uh, rule out the thing they're afraid of, you know, the people with the blood in the stool. Let's first, let's rule out the cancer. Let's get that clarified. Okay. It's not that now let's work on what we can do to help with the problem. Uh, so, uh, the fear mongering, the problem is the internet's full of a lot of fear mongering. As soon as you start typing things up, everything comes up cancer. Oh yeah. You know, legal issues. If you don't say the worst possible thing, uh, then someone can actually sue you for not being frank with them, you know, or, or leading them down the wrong path. Uh, so, that's, you mentioned that's like WebMD or something like that you're talking about. Well, I'm trying not to name names. but <laughs> Managing liability, though, because yeah, no one wants that, to be held liable. You, you have to address the liability. Uh, uh, but my job is to address that right off the bat. Let's talk about the big topics. Okay, it's not this, it's not this, or it is that. Then I know specialists. I, you know, we've, I've been down this path with other people before. We're going we're gonna to walk you through this. You know, don't give up. You know, and how you tell people bad news is is very important. Well, that's that's awesome. I wouldn't have thought about the fear factor, but obviously, I mean, they're gonna have to change their diet probably right away, right? Right. So, yeah. So I fo- found focusing on the positives always works best. You know, let's okay, you're doing this. Let's work on that. You know, uh, I try to mention only one negative thing a visit. <laughs> so, okay, that's that's the negative thing this visit. Let's keep it all positive. The rest of the visit, keep you know work on this, work on this, and don't do that so much. I work on this. <laughs> One of the motivational strategies I've learned to, you know, hard, hard way. <laughs> right on. And what about you, Jonathan? If somebody like close to you in your community came to you like, hey, this is in my family. I just got this diagnosis and I don't know which medicines to go to. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, something with diabetes, obviously, I just spoke with a, I actually just had a cardiologist on my podcast last week, who's an interventional cardiologist was diagnosed with type one diabetes at age 44. Wow! And, uh, you're hearing a lot more stories. I feel these days of people begin being diagnosed with type one later in life, you know, which used to be, you know, it used to be, oh, you get that when you're a kid, you just have that. Um, so now you, you might get hit with type one or type two diabetes, it's all about the insulin. Like, like you said earlier, doctor, you know, insulin, mm-hmm. controlling your insulin. You can do that a number of different ways. Obviously the food that you eat, depending on what it is, will raise your insulin. If you're eating a, you know, a carbohydrate or a sugar, um, it's just how your body works. So yeah, it is absolutely scary to all of a sudden your body doesn't work the way it used to. I think if, if any of us had any idea what our body was doing on a, on a, on a minute basis, you know, second to second basis to keep us alive, we would just be blown away at all of the different processes um, so to understand then and learn how that blood sugar regulation works. Yeah. Really scary. But ultimately then point them to all of the people out there to connect them to a community of other type two diabetics who, you know, have figured it out and figured out how to live with this diagnosis. Um, there's tons of communities out there that have reversed their type two diabetes with a low carbohydrate diet. Um, yeah. there's lots of communities out there. Type one grit is a good one. Dr. Richard Bernstein has a lot of good information for type one diabetics and controlling their, uh, diabetes with a low carbohydrate diet as well. Um, and I even had this cardiologist say that the standard of care for type one diabetics is just not good at all. And he's almost doing the opposite of what the standard of care is. Um, and instead of doing a 60 carbohydrate meal, uh, which is what he was told and snacks all the time, 
he has dropped that way down low to, you know, maybe 20 a day, 20 grams of carbs. Yeah. So has adopted the low carbohydrate diet uh, to help control his sugars that way and reduced his need for insulin by up to two thirds by adopting a ketogenic diet. So, um, well, how are you going to get your energy point to that? How energy? are you going to get your energy? Yeah. If you're not eating carbohydrates, where do you get your energy from? Yeah. Um, so, and is this all keto we're talking about now? Uh, for the, for the cardiologist that I talked to keto is mostly a ketogenic or low carbohydrate diet. Okay. Is what they're using. Um, but energy, that's a big, that's a big one I get all the time because we were like, oh, carbohydrate, that's an energy source. But fat is also an energy source. Most people don't recognize that. And stored body fat is basically future fuel. Uh, if you look at it from a historical perspective, that's what our, you know, people, humans through hundreds of thousands of years, these are very old machines and we didn't have the food that we have today. So obviously any stored body fat, I just call it future fuel. But you have to access that, you know, um, talking about the insulin hormone, you know, you have insulin and glucagon, these two counteracting, you know, hormones, one's the storage hormone, the other one goes and gets the energy from your body, which glucagon, glucagon, you know, so you got to learn how to activate that. And a lot of that is to reduce the carbohydrates so you can access that stored body fat. And that's where the long term sustained energy will come from. Yeah, the actual name for type two diabetes should be insulin resistance, right? Yeah. You know, the body is, you know, because of their diet, they've been eating too much sugar and, and, and without enough fiber, you know, fiber slows the absorption of, of all the sugar. So you don't get this rush of sugar. That's why the orange is better than the orange juice. Right. You know, eight ounce glass of orange juice is four oranges. Did you hear that? The Seth? orange was the right size <laughs> and it comes with fiber to slow the absorption so it's, it's, you don't get the big insulin spike. You have that eight ounces of orange juice and you get this huge insulin spike and then you're hungry again in an hour. So you do another one and you do another one and you're basically shouting insulin at, at, at your body. And if someone shouts at you, you're going to plug your ears. You're going to become resistant to that message. Yeah. And what's happening on the cellular level, the cells are actually losing sugar gates you know, that the insulin opens up. So eventually you can't even soak up the sugar. It builds up the arteries and all the trouble. And then it's, then the game is on. And so we've got to spread the, the food out throughout the day. We got to not have concentrated sugar at once. You got to have fiber in every meal. That's why he's, you know, he's also with the meat. He's saying plants, plants, plants. You got to get, got to get the, the healthy uh, fruits and vegetables in there that are full of fiber to slow the absorption of the sugar. Uh, and they got to move things along. Meat doesn't move very long by itself it needs help it needs little bulldozers and <laughs> things to absorb the water fiber there's two types of fiber uh the soluble soaks up water and is a sponge and helps things move along it soaks up excess cholesterol and as your body is trying to dump it out it has to soak it up and then insoluble fiber think corn uh this, this string and celery it just moves things along acts like little bulldozers get things from point a to point b the more frequent you poop, the, the, the faster your transit time, the lower your colon cancer risk. So you got to keep things moving along. Did you hear that, folks? If you're pooping more, you're going to live longer. Um, yep. Let me ask you this, because, and this is might seem kind of gross, but like, why whenever you eat corn or uh, celery, as you <laughs> said, how come, how come you always see that in your poop? Is it well, because we, it's we insoluble? It it's, it's insoluble. We can't break that down. Uh, bran and, and stuff like that is soluble, uh, and it, it'll it'll break down, and will it can soak up other things. It can be a sponge, uh, but yeah. If you ever wonder what your transit time is, have a you know a few corn niblets. I'm not a big corn fan. There's a lot of sugar in corn. Uh, my uh, uh, dentist said, you know, Western, you know, 
Western civilization, uh, Europe had no cavities until, you know, they started bringing the corn over from the new world. And we started making things out of that and concentrating the sugar on that. And I'm a big, uh, advocate for 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 getting rid of high fructose corn syrup altogether come on yeah you know that yeah that's you know, that stuff is that stuff's pure poison that's you know. that's the thing for me i think doc and jonathan too what your thoughts are on this and talking about diet like when i was growing up and it wasn't that long ago it seemed like you could eat more carbs or sugary foods without it being so detrimental to your body and cause cancer maybe the the research mm-hmm. or science just wasn't there but it also seems like the food itself has changed. Now where it says there's sugar, it's not sugar anymore. It's this high fructose corn syrup that you're talking about and everything. Or and they just ethanol or sucrose it, or sucralose or whatever they want well, to call it. we don't it. digest those very well, you know, and, the, and, and some of those, not at all. And then we get diarrhea. I've got a lot of people, irritable bowel syndrome. I'm like, could you back off on the diet soda? <laughs> Do you hear that, Seth? You know, all the diet stuff. I mean, a soda, okay, two, you know. You know, it's like, you know, like uh, wine, it's healthy for you. One or two glasses of wine. As I always tell people, there's no good decisions made after two drinks of any alcohol. <laughs> uh, and uh, and actually, the first thing that pops up is, is the cancer risk is the thing that pops up after two uh, drinks a day on average. Uh, and so, you know, the soda pop people, you know, you know, two liter of diet drink is not healthy. I'm like, so I, I keep pushing for anti-extremism. Let's get rid of the excessives of anything. United Kingdoms uh, has a big thing that they're, you know, they, they love their beer, <laughs> uh, but they also have a national health care system. The health, national health care system goes, uh, we got to limit it two drinks for men and one drink for women uh, of alcohol um, and, and soda pop. I mean, you're just asking for diabetes with too much soda pop. It's, right. it's just, uh, and that's right. been, you know, well established that, that the high fructose corn syrup, we don't process it. It makes you, it's sugarier than other than regular sugar. Uh, first time and I it's in everything, it was, yeah. Yeah, I was in 89, I, I went with a group uh, to Brazil and I was there and I said, yes, you know, I, I learned enough Portuguese. I thought I was doing it right. I, I ordered a uh, regular Coke and I'm like, oh, they sent me diet. Ooh, I don't like diet. And they sent it back and they sent me another one. And I'm like, no, this is diet. And the guy brought me the can and it's the right can. I, I'm like, this is not as sweet as I'm used to. And one of the first things I did when I got back, I, I grabbed a Coke. I'm like, ah, now that's a real Coke. That's <laughs> different. I'm like, high fructose, what's high? There's no sugar in here. What's, what is high fructose corn syrup? And that was 89. Yes. Uh, you know, not, you know, and um, part of Ronald Reagan's, you know, war on, on communism in, in the 80s is uh, let's, was economic and let's put the screws oh, to those uh, yeah. communists down Cuba. in Cuba. Oh, my gosh. Sugar. And he, uh, so he made, he made it. They thought it was a conspiracy theorist, but it's true. No, no, this is true. Cause I yeah. lived through it because I was alive then. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, high fructose corn syrup existed, but they made a way to make it more efficiently. And so also 1984, 1986, it was in everything all of a sudden and it's yeah. sweeter and it's more addicting and you want more and your body you can't process more. it at the same time. A, a nutritional scientist found the exact sweet spot. You know, where things are too sweet, you actually won't have more. And if it's not sweet enough, you're like, eh, I think I'll find something else. And he found the exact sweet spot. I was watching a uh, documentary on Netflix on sugar, and he was there, and he goes, I feel really, really bad. I feel like the evil scientist in the movie. You know, this I found this thing, and it, I didn't mean for it to, to, this information to be used like this. 
you know, but everybody knows exactly how much they got to put in there and they just made everything so addicted. I wonder if that guy is responsible for more deaths than someone like Hitler. <laughs> well, well, with cancer, know. yeah, probably. You know, so he wow. feels really, he actually says, I feel really, really bad. I did this research and found this out. I just, you know, like every scientist is like, Ooh, this is cool. You know, there is yeah. a sweet spot, you know. I recently heard a podcast about that, about food addiction and the, uh, and I forget her name is Joan Iflin, something like that, um, on the peak human podcast, I think episode 61, but she was saying back when, you know, the government was cracking down on tobacco and they were removing the ads, removing everything, you know, the vending machines, uh, tobacco took over big food and the tobacco companies actually bought a lot of the food companies that were selling, you know, just regular food. And they said, Hey, we're going to take this to the next level and applied their, uh, their 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 practices in the tobacco industry over to food they're going after age you know you're going to see tony the tiger and you know frosted flakes and all that mm. stuff you're going to hit advertising you're going to hit there was like five different a ones that shit availability and they had the scientists find out the exact amounts of salt fat and sweet in that in that whatever it is to make it addictive and mm-hmm. and since then you look at the rates, the 33% obesity right now and the, you know, you know, a third is, you know, diabetic or pre-diabetic and all of that. That's stuff. why you're so much it's better just, off without processed food because yeah. anything that's processed, they found it's, it's got that formula. If you pick up an orange, it's an orange, you right. know, you, you know, you, you pick up a hamburger, it's a hamburger. You, you pick know, up a and, cow tongue and <laughs> who knows what it's been eating. Well, let me ask you all this. Didn't they take the fat out of everything? Because, I mean, fat's the exactly. thing you're supposed to avoid. So they've taken 19, it out. 1977, actually. That was, that was yeah. a big deal. The Senate had this big thing. There was, there had been this steady increase since World War II of, of uh, heart attacks and strokes in the country. And they rightly said there's, there's too much fat fat and there's bad fat and there's trans fat. Uh, and so they, um, so we got to get rid of it. And the food, you know, they, they passed a law saying you got to reduce the, the fat and the food industry said, now everything tastes like cardboard. And so they threw sugar and everything. Yeah. And then it sold more. Right. <laughs> and they're like, Oh darn, you know, you, you, you forced us to change our formulas to something that was more addictive. Thanks. You know, wow. So yeah, that was a, a good good intention gone wrong, you know. And it was interesting because you know, I, I saw the I actually saw the footage of that being announced, you know, on, on this one website, you know, and then they're showing it, and they everybody was really thin then, <laughs> you know, like wow. Do you think that the science behind that was accurate though? Do you think Ansel Keys had it right? Oh oh yeah, I mean you know the you know, the uh, the fat intake you know in America really shot up after World War Two, you know. Um, 1900, the average American ate four pounds of cheese a year. And now we're at 32 pounds of cheese a year. That's an eight times increase. That sounds low for me. You know, and, and, and dairy, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the government started, you know, they wanted more votes from the dairy states. And so they started promoting dairy and they bought all the, all the milk, which they turned into cheese, which became government cheese. Yes. Uh, and actually they, the, uh, ah, the power of cheese advertisement campaign was, Produced by the federal government to sell their enormous, they're running out of space and they've actually gotten rid of almost all the government cheese, <laughs> you know, by selling it back to us, you know, you know, through that and giving it away. They're, they're, it's, it's actually hard to find government cheese. So they did a very good job of dispensing it. 
uh, and a lot of the dairy farms are switching to soy milk and other things of milk, you know, because they're seeing that people are wanting to change away uh, and changing dairy habits. And uh, 7% of dairy farms have gone to growing soybeans because you don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. to milk the soybeans. Right. Yeah. You know, it's much, much, much labor intensive. And, you know, for three to four months of the year, you don't grow anything. And so you can take a break. You know, the cows never rest. You're there. You're doing something at all the time. And then there's all the poop. Absolutely. <laughs> and the methane. Yeah. And the meth and the methane and the global warming. <laughs> yeah, let's not go down that road. I'm not um, gonna go no, I'm not going to not going to. Um because there's I, a lot of new research saying that cows are actually a carbon sink. Um but we can let that one alone for another I'll, day. No, I'm not gonna touch um, that one. I, I know nothing about that. <laughs> I know a little bit. Oh, if you don't know nothing, you showed your cards. No, I'm just kidding. I lost well, um, yeah, I lost your no, cards on the No, the, there's a lot the there's obviously a lot there. Um but yeah, with fat and stuff like that, I think a lot of people think that fat is bad. And there's, we've been told it our whole lives, right? Right. You know, low fat. I used to eat low fat Twizzlers that my mom gave me because she said, Oh, they're low fat. Right. (laughs) Oh, they're good for you. You know, me, the abstainer, you know, I I eat the whole bag. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, when you have the good fats, the bad fats, obviously, you know, omega threes, omega sixes aren't bad fats. They're inflammatory fats, but they're not bad fats. The problem is when we accelerate that. Right. Is the ratio is correct. So a lot of people now are eating like a like, I don't know what the last one is, like a 32 to one ratio of omega six to omega threes because of processed foods. It's insanely high because of things like soybean, soybean oil. You know, I'm not a fan of soy whatsoever um, for various reasons. Um, you know, we actually if we drink milk at the house, it's like almond milk or something like that. Yeah. I, um, you, you know, I just made that change bad. a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, I actually got rid of dairy altogether about a month ago. Um, just as a little N equals one experiment, but you know, fats aren't bad, but then when you combine <laughs> what most processed foods do is they combine fat and sugars, carbohydrates all together and together. Well, that's, you know, and those ingredients, you they know, play on each other. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. And they're not meant cause they're macronutrients, you know, carbohydrates are the first to burn. So anytime you eat carbs and fat together, all of that fat is getting stored as fat. Mm, um, right. The carbohydrates are burning. So the two, you know, it's like, so if I'm going to eat carbohydrates, I'm going to localize them to that meal, you know, the carbohydrates. So I'm not eating a big meal full of carbohydrates and fat, you know, and anymore, I'm looking at the ingredients more than the macronutrient content and micronutrient content. If there's ingredients that are poor, I just won't even touch it. I'm a big real food fan. Um, you know, meat and plants, real food. <laughs> yeah. And that's what they, uh, to help people feel full of, you know, adding the fiber helps a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, so I the feel fruits pretty and vegetables full after two pounds of ground beef, <laughs> <laughs> right. And so there's, you know, lots of ways to feel full, but you know, uh, some, you know, some people the the cost, I, I, I'm suburban to rural border and I got a lot of people can't afford the meat, right. You know, my, right. you know, the diet I give, I actually have a, a price, you know, a per serving of everything on there and it's six bucks a day. Yeah, you know, so good. for the, for, for 1800 calories, you know, and then, so I get them on a stable diet and they say, okay, now what to lose weight. Okay. Lose weight. You cut out this and you cut out that there goes, you know, 600 calories. Now you're down to 1200 and you're going to be losing a pound a week, you know, but first get stable. Let's see. Let me see in a month, two months, let's get the diabetes good. And I try to disconnect the emotional, uh, you know, content of the, of the weight because that's a turnoff. You know, then that's the, you know, the tears come out the eyes and I'm like, no, 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 calm down, calm down. I'm not going to preach to you about weight. You know, I got to get a weight on you each time you come in here because that's standard of care, you know. You're more worried about the heart health 
than you are about the pounds that they that well, they're carrying, uh, the, right? The cancer. I mean, the, the cancer yeah. rate, you know, from from eating bad food is huge. Insulin is a growth hormone; it grows cancer. Yeah, it grows everything. So basically, you're you saying know. sugar, like excess sugar, equals cancer. That's been fully clearly established. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, yeah, so you know, you got to be you know be careful. Excess anything causes bad things. Yeah, you know, that we were you know discussing earlier. Water is poison. Yeah. You know, two gallons of water, drink it in an hour, you're dead in an hour. Right. You know, you, you will die. You know, you, we, but we need two quarts a day or we die. Some <laughs> <laughs> of those windows of tolerance. So I try to keep everything, everybody in a rational because my patients go, oh, so I heard this is healthy. So I'm going to buy a lot of this supplement. I'm like, no, please, no supplements. You know, I'm not here to, you know, encourage that industry, you know, uh, and I'm trying to get my patients off of pills. You know, I, but the statistics are also against us. 50% of people will take a pill correctly. You know, actually fill the pill and take it as advertised. A third of the people will never even fill the pill. Uh, But 5% of people will make a long-term lifestyle change. So pills are 10%, 10 times more effective as far as, you know, getting someone to comply, you know, but I'm, I'm going to shoot for 10%, maybe 15. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get there. And the main thing that gets people to change is do you care? You know, so I convinced them I really care. Look what I've gone to, to, to work out this plan and, and talk to you about it and, and address your fear first, not my goal first, you know, and, and people convinced that you care, then they're going to make, they're, they're going to, they're going to make a step in your direction. You just got to keep that momentum, keep them making steps in your direction. I'm sure John deals, you know, the same thing. I'd like to hear your points on how you get people to motivate and change. Yeah. Seth, did you have something you wanted to say earlier? Yeah, I saw that hand, uh, Seth. I just, I had a confession. <laughs> you do all the things I tell you do not do, to do. Do we do, do we do theme music when Seth does his confessional? We should. <laughs> Confessions with Seth. Real Someone all right, Seth, what's your, Sarducci hat, you know? what, what's your confession there, Seth? 95% of what I drink is Diet Pepsi. The God, remaining, I see that monster there. The remaining five percent is monster energy. Oh drinks. my God! How can you drink that shit? Well, is there I, a twenty-eight day program we can enroll them in somewhere? <laughs> I only eat one meal a day, and that's supper. Water. And uh, I used to drink coffee, but I started getting sick all the time, um, and coffee would make me sick volatilely. So I moved to Monster Energy Drink. I have, to, <laughs> I have, I have to have something in the morning to kick me in the ass. And and Monster Energy Drinks are doing what coffee used to. So I just had that confession. Can you not take a caffeine pill? I that what might be better for you than a sugar loaded monster? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> That's it, it. Would be zero calories. Um, now, black coffee at least has some chemicals in there that have proven to decrease colon cancer. Well, I had uh, to stop. I had you know, to stop that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I, uh, the 88 year old doctor I went to had a lecture on uh, longevity. Uh, he went over this topic, this topic, this topic, and then up came coffee and caffeine. You know, he goes, um, been drinking six cups of coffee for 60 years, haven't found a single research article that says it's bad for you, but if you have a coffee problem, then you have a coffee problem, but it's it's not a problem by itself. But he did say, please stop at six cups of coffee because you, know, <laughs> you have no research showing anything higher than six cups of coffee. Uh, so each monster 
drink has got two cups of coffee, at least, a, you know, a cup of coffee is six ounces. Uh, so 200 milligrams, a no dose or jet alert, whatever you got in your area is 200 milligrams, you know, and so it's, it's based on a cup of coffee. So, but, um, you know, there's definitely, there's some people who absolutely can't take caffeine because it does just jazz them up too much. And cause yeah. Problems. If I have more than a cup of coffee a day, I'm up all night. It is true, yeah. but so I do have a cup of coffee every day. Level. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make sure we get it here. How Jonathan motivates people to make change in their life. Uh, that's what I wanted to hear. I, I get my spiel. <laughs> um, to be honest, I don't. Um, I can't motivate somebody. Uh, if I have to motivate them, they're going to fail as soon as I'm gone. Uh, and so uh, that being said, <laughs> I still try to, to motivate people <laughs> as much as you can, but the saying goes, you know, the, the, the change, um, what is it until the pain of staying the same is greater than change, the pain of change, you won't do it. And I think what's sad is for most people today, it's going to take a diagnosis of something. It's going to take a, a death in the family. It's going to take, mm. gosh, maybe you'll lose your leg because you're diabetic for you to maybe take it seriously. Um, yeah. You know, it's going to take something serious, I think, to get people to wake up and change. But, you know, so that's why I mean, that's why I do my podcast. That's why I post this stuff. I might not be able to motivate somebody, but if you can just put a little article out there, put a little study out there and put a little like, hey, uh, changing my diet. I got rid of all my ulcers that were in my mouth. Yeah. Who wouldn't want that? Those things are awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so those are gone. So just little things like that, that, that make a difference might get people to think about like, huh, you know, maybe my food, me doing things like skipping dairy when I don't have to, or giving up caffeine like I did a couple of weeks ago too. Ooh. I don't have to do that. I just wanted to try to see what would happen. And, uh, I haven't gone back since, <laughs> um, and I just feel better. So. Is there something to say about listening to what your body is telling you? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those things where people you know, always hear them say like, "Oh, gluten." I'm not gluten sensitive. Well, have you ever gotten rid of it? Have you ever gone 30 days without it? No. Well, then how do you know? How do you know if you're not sensitive to certain foods? And I mean, that's one of the things you know. You have that. Um, uh, Chris Kresser likes to call it a you know a vegan honeymoon, or you could insert carnivore honeymoon. You could insert any of those like you were talking about earlier, Dr. Yeah. Montgomery. About anytime you get rid of processed food, you're gonna feel better. Oh know, yeah. After that, you know, and so regardless, then you have to make sure at that point. Then the hard part is once you now feel better, moving forward one year, two years, three years, four years down the road, and figuring out what your needs are for your diet, um, which takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. So you, food definitely does. Food is information. Our bodies know what to do with stuff. You know, So anytime you put something in your mouth, anytime you inhale something through your nose, it, it's information to our body. And our body has, it knows what to do with it. You know, so uh, yes, absolutely. So I do a lot of, uh, I like leading people through like elimination diets. I did one back uh, in May of last year. I did a full carnivore, nothing but meat for 30 days. Wow. Uh, felt fantastic at the end of it. Um, I think I just missed a little variety at the end of it. Um, but quite honestly, I've never felt as good since then until now that I've still gotten rid of dairy and caffeine and I'm about 80% eating meat. Um, I've never, I've, I felt good then, you know, but is that for, no, I don't, again, I don't push that on anybody. Um, but that's one of the greatest elimination diets because you're eliminating it down to just something that our bodies know what to do with. It's meat. We've been eating it for hundreds of thousands of years. And then once you go through that period, you know, then I'm like, all right, let's add in something. Let's add in lettuce. Let's start with lettuce. Let's start with 
tomato. Let's start with something and see how you feel because your body's basically at a default at that point. You're going to know pretty quickly if something is not right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, with, you know, the, the milk, I actually just got rid of that myself a few years ago. And, you know, you know, my thought was, wait a minute, I'm not a cow. Right. Uh, I'm not a baby cow. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, humans are the only animal that keeps uh, drinking milk after they're weaned. It's weird, uh, isn't it? <laughs> and, 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 and milk was designed to take an 80 pound cow, a calf, and turn it into an 800 pound cow in six months. Right. It's cow grow juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does the body good though. To, I don't want to get bigger. <laughs> it tastes delicious, and I love the ice cream and the cheese. But you know, <laughs> there's so many options. You know, remember that you I'm know, drinking for, milk for, commercials for with the milk oh, yeah. mustaches and everything. Oh yeah, got milk. Yeah, yeah. Those corporations know how to 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 definitely get people to get their stuff, man. They yeah, do. it's amazing what money does in, yeah. in this mm-hmm. industry to get a message across. Yeah, I've always thought that was weird though with milk. I I mean, my family goes through it quite a bit. Elizabeth loves it. My wife. And it's just always weirding me out. I cook with it. It makes sense to me to cook with it. But to have a glass of milk and drink it, it's just, yeah, you're drinking like cow tit juice. It's I would never drink a glass of milk. It's weird. The thought of it grosses me out. Yeah, It really does. (laughs) does. I've had a patient drink a gallon of whole milk a day. And, you know, he's 300 pounds and type 2 diabetic out of control. And it's like. I uh, never heard of an, an adult drinking a gallon of whole milk a day. Oh I didn't my know where gosh. To go with that, Probably know? on his cereal too. Can you imagine doing the gallon challenge every day? Oh, <laughs> death. Yeah, just the calorie intake there. I did a little math. I'm like, oh, okay, that's 2,000 plus calories a day. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. That's yeah. absolutely crazy. Well, I have a question real quick, Dr. Pete. Um, mm-hmm. People always talk about doctors and, you know, they trust doctors. They, they have faith in their doctors that they're going to tell them exactly what they need to do for their health. Right. But yeah. how much training did doctors actually get on nutrition in medical school? Tiny, hmm. very low. I mean, we get the, we get the, this is what the molecule does and the macro molecules and all this stuff. We know how that's all digested and broken down the chemical breakdown. But on as far as healthy eating and what we should give people for nutritional advice, family practice, endocrinologists that, you know, cardiologists probably get the most. Uh, and uh, but medical school, you know, not much, probably one lecture on wow. this is nutrition. But we'll get things on this is sodium and this is potassium right. and this is protein and this is cholesterol. I mean, they'll, they'll give us all, all, all broken down like that. But as a, a package deal. Uh, medical schools have improved, you know, I was in medical school in the eighties and nineties, you know, so, uh, things have, have improved, I'm sure a lot, but I have medical students following me around, uh, three times a year for a month. I have one right now. And I asked him this question he goes, yeah, we, we had a, we had a segment on that, you know? So I'm like, okay, that's better. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and so we're finding it is more of a big deal, but with, with medicine is still, you got to keep educating yourself, uh, to stay licensed. I have to do 50 hours of, you know, continuing medical education. Uh, I do like 200, right. I just have to report 50, you know, just things I read and, and books and, and constantly, uh, doing what I want to keep learning. Cause 50 is not enough. <laughs> no, definitely not. We do the same thing yeah. in education. Uh, you know, we have to keep up with that kind of stuff. We, we get training constantly. Uh, we have to have a certain amount of hours. So I, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, so have you ever read? Social workers. 
Oh yeah, there you go. Have you ever read um, anything by an endocrinologist named Robert Lustig? Lustig uh, doesn't Love that ring a guy. bell. Yeah, what, what's what's uh, what's he talking about? Well, I mean, probably the easiest thing you can find out about him, um, and this is something I looked up uh, several years ago, but he had a a lecture uh, that he actually put on YouTube. It's a little over an hour long, but it's called Sugar, the Bitter Truth, and it's it's really, really good stuff. Um, And I I highly recommend everyone that wants to know a little bit more about sugar and uh, even some of the conspiracy behind it and stuff, but specifically how oh, it breaks down yes, in your body. Actually, yes, I have. Matter of fact, I was watching his. Okay, now I brought him up here and I saw his. Recognized his face more than yeah. his name. Yeah, he is on a campaign. He's on a crusade. Oh yeah. Uh, and actually, I was watching <laughs> a, a thing about sugar, and it's where he was on there, and the uh, guy who had found the secret formula to sweetness. You know. Yeah, so he, there's a video about sugar on him, and he's on there, and that's why I was getting some of my information I was mentioning earlier. Yeah, yeah. he's he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, Lustig's got a great book too, The Hacking of the American Mind. Um, yep, I was going to bring that one up. A phenomenal book about again more of the sugar industry, even even the drug industry too, marijuana legalization. He talks into that a lot and how that got started and tied in with sugar, and it's a mess, mm-hmm. man. Fade to gray. Yep. Recommended reading. <laughs> hey Seth, did I see you drinking a glass of orange juice over there too? And monster, he's he's chasing it with his monster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I I wanted an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> That's right, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I have milk in mine as well because I'm drinking eggnog with uh, rum in it, so I can't really. I don't know what else goes with vodka. I. Orange juice. Sorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Tears. Tears taste good. Tears. Hey, I had a heavy lifting session today, so I actually sourced some human breast milk. Um, It's really good HGH. It's really phenomenal for muscle building. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's sweeter, too. It actually tastes better than cow milk. I don't understand why that's not on the shelves. Oh, my god. I was just kidding, but Omar (laughs) took it to a whole new level there. I'm just just saying. It's it's got a lot of nutrition. It has the same thing monsters have in it as far as taurine. (laughs) A uh, Back to the show. A book that people who are into moderation uh, Mm -hmm. might appreciate, uh, and certainly to limit your consumption of animal product would be uh, there's a fantastic book by Jonathan Safran Foer called eating animals uh, that I highly recommend you to check out as well. Uh, so uh, anything by Do- uh, Dr. Robert Lustig would be great. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else you guys would recommend for people who want to eat better and maybe learn a little bit more about what they should do uh, or even about the industry itself? My uh, website and, and book that I refer to people, I don't have one myself. Uh, is a nutritionfacts.org. It's run by a medical doctor. He is not selling anything. He's not selling a supplement, a meal plan, nothing, uh, except he actually has a video that goes, I'm not going to sell you anything. <laughs> he does have a book, you know, uh, called How Not to Die. So it's yeah. a nice title. You know, and he summarizes the uh, top 15 causes of death, uh, including your doctor, <laughs> as a cause of death. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, and what you can do to change your diet to decrease uh, your uh, your risk. Now, I always tell people, uh, caveat, one thing about being a scientist is admit your biases. And I said, now, he is a vegan, you know, but so, you know, I'm just telling you, I'm a meat minimalist. It's okay to eat meat. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, that's where I, I differ with him on that. But everything he says is, is research. In his book, the introduction has 113 references 
to medical studies. <laughs> a wow. third of his book is references, you know, to uh, medical studies. And so he has a team of 20 researchers uh, that all volunteer their time to research every single nutritional article gets printed. They research every single research article. <laughs> uh, and so they're, they're very extensive and well-versed. Um, Oprah Winfrey uh, got attacked by the meat industry, said something anti-meat, and she used him as his her uh, defense team. Of course, she won, you know, because he's, <laughs> you, 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 he's got all the research. He's know? backed so, up by the research. And, he, and he's got over 2,000 videos that people can watch for free that are just three to five minutes, just quick. You type in a topic. Guys are asking me, hey, what about testosterone? Read about testosterone. There are things you can eat that can raise your testosterone, things you can avoid or eat less of that are lowering your testosterone. Did you hear that, Seth? Uh, and, and stop going to the men's clinic. Uh, I'm very anti-men's clinic. I have a patient who runs You told me I couldn't ask that question. We, and uh, we, I, uh, we go around a little bit. Fine, Omar. <laughs> go there. Go, go there, Omar. Go, go there. Uh, what about you, Jonathan? Anything that you want to promote? Oh, um, well, you know, you can listen to the Joe Health Show. That would be awesome. Um, I think that's probably a good idea. <laughs> but uh, not for me, obviously. I try to bring a guest on every week of either uh, someone in the space that's a professional in the space, somebody that's had their own life-changing story uh, of weight loss and, and health change transformation. Um but there's other names in the space. Obviously, you mentioned Robert Lustig. There's David Perlmutter, um, the Ken Berry, Sean Baker, Chris Kresser, Nourish, Balance, Thrive. There's just so many in the you know functional medicine space. You know of figuring out what in your life might be causing your disease and getting to the root of that. And food is a big part of that. Um, but there's so many other things like the amount of sleep you get is huge. Uh, oh, yeah. the, amount, the amount of, you know, blue light you get is huge. Um, mm -hmm. there's so many that just the, the air toxins that we breathe in is there's so many things. Um, but yeah, Chris Kresser, I really like him. Uh, he was just on Joe Rogan a couple times. Uh, he was on with a, with a doctor and he wants to, he's a guy that I see bringing, taking all those studies that people don't understand, dissecting them. And he just did an episode with Joe Rogan, you know, debunking the game changers movie that was just out there that promoted the vegan endurance and just absolutely ripped it to shreds. And I'm not, I'm okay with people. If you want to be vegan, it's really hard to be a vegan. You have to do it the right way or it's dangerous. And Absolutely. if, well, just like any diet, really, it, um, you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. It's an extremism. And what I don't like is misinformation. And, you know, if somebody wants to be being great, but don't lie about it and don't lie about somebody else's thing to make yours look better. Um, Chris Kresser cuts through all the bull, you know, and he he'll he'll tell you the truth. And he's, you know, obviously he's a functional medicine doctor. So I really like him. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's so many I could list um, that I follow. Obviously, I'm sort of like the continuing education. I just listen to podcasts and, and lectures all day at work um, through my through my AirPods that also might not be the greatest for you because <laughs> the Bluetooth and all the new, you know, just airwaves floating through the air. So, well, it brought up a good point on the sleep. I get people always saying, "Oh, I need sleeping pills." I'm like, "No, you don't. You know, they're they're horrible. You're not really sleeping on a sleeping pill. You're unconscious. You've been knocked out. It's not the same." You know, and the first thing I tell people is go to bed on time, wake up on time. Light is important. You need that blue light during the day. You need that yellow, orange light at night to tell your body yep. to make melatonin. Uh, I have a, uh, by the, my coffee machine, I have a uh, sun lamp that I turn on in the morning and goes, oh, it's, it's morning. No matter what time of day it is, I wake up to a 10,000 lux <laughs> light when I make my coffee. And uh, my phone has the, you know, the, the, the uh, sundown app that Apple put on there that yellows my screen. 
Uh, and I live in a place where I, my work, I, my windows face west so I can watch the sun go down, you know, in the winter, I, I it helps fight the seasonal affective disorder. Uh, and we need our, we need to sleep. We need, we need to listen to our parents. We need to go to bed on time, uh, <laughs> eat our health, eat our food, healthy food and get some exercise. We haven't talked about exercise. Uh, but you know, we need to get 15 minutes of exercise where we can at least, you know, whatever you want to do, start with at your own pace and people have to exercise and to be healthy. Um, and people go, oh, I'm training for a marathon. I'm going, stop. You're training for a knee replacement. <laughs> you hear that, Chad Johnson? God. Can we not do an episode without saying his name? We almost got to the end. Every freaking episode. So hey. your Leroy Jenkins was. Hey, I'm very much, say, yeah. Chad. That's <laughs> another thing. You mentioned, hey, you mentioned knee replacement and runners. I'm actually a runner, um, and I've mm-hmm. done several ultra marathons and marathons. Um, the knee replacement thing comes from bad shoes and bad posture not running yeah. well uh it, it it's a mileage issue though too you know and the pounding and stuff like that it, it all combines but talking about extremism okay and staying <laughs> away from extremes and about how extremes is not always the healthiest choice is it possible for exercise <laughs> extreme exercise if you take exercise yes. to its nth degree and you make it not just an, an activity you do but you make it your life you know i'm gonna poo poo on that <laughs> yes it's horrible like is that is that bad absolutely yes. really? yeah it's been well yes. established that extreme ex- exercise causes cardio fibrous tissue to be developed and you're more likely to have a heart attack it's 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 just it's it, it causes heart damage to run too much uh in our medical school we had a guy who was a marathon runner and on ekg training day you know uh he goes oh hook it up to me i'll show you guys what a good heart and his heart was all PVCs. It was all skips. His oh, heart wow. rate was 40 beats a minute, you know, but it was all skips. It wasn't sinus rhythm and regular beats. And the cardi, you know, and he, he got real pale. And the cardiologist goes, let's talk over here. I need to, you know, explain why this is, you know, it's not this good to run, you know, to have your heart, you know, that slow. Yeah. And now I'll, I'll let into that too, like that exercise every day, that heart rate. If you think our hearts, you know, it's a, you know, when I think about aging too, you're talking about longevity earlier. Our bodies are only meant to, like our hearts are only meant to beat a certain amount of beats. We don't know. So to go out and run every day with, a, you know, a 168 heart rate for an hour every day, it's not good. So I say, if you are going to run every day, make sure you're breathing through your nose and you're having a conversation the whole way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to keep you in an, an aerobic pace. You know, you're not going to be anaerobic. It's much, much better. And I still don't want people running every day. Um, you know, maybe, you maybe heal. three times a week. Yeah. yeah, yeah you got to give yourself time to recover. I ran in high school and, and college and, uh, you know, we had coach, you know, we had guys go, Hey coach, I ran Saturday and Sunday. He goes, please don't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and we, you know, the, the beauty of, you know, he he'd work us all hard all season long. And then when conference comes up, he goes, all right, we're going to stretch, warm up, do a few wind sprints uh, and go home guys. We're like, what? The conference is coming up to meet big meet. We're going to work real hard. He goes, no, you already done all the work. We're going to rest. We're going to heal. And our times got better. And then, then we went to districts and same thing, just stretch one, warm up, do a few wind sprints, a few max speeds and we're done. Go, go home, have fun guys. Don't hurt yourself. Don't play basketball. <laughs> and we and then we got even faster and then a few guys who qualified for state same thing he just had us rest stretch warm up and they got and they dropped another two seconds i i ran the half mile in 156 you know back in high school but you know i was running two minutes all along and then 
ran a 158 and then I ran next week, ran a 156. I got faster as I rested, you know? Uh, and so we, we gotta, we gotta put healing as part of a workout. My uh, friend who's as big as a bull, he only lifts three days a week. He goes, yeah, I worked a complete failure, you know, on, on this muscle group on Monday and Tuesday, I don't do jack squat, <laughs> you know? And, and then he goes, and that's the day I actually feel myself growing is on the rest day. So we got to heal. It's all about that moderation, folks. That's right. A little moderation. <laughs> that's my method. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both uh, so much for coming on the podcast and talking about all this. Make sure that uh, everyone's listening. You got to go listen to Joe Health. Um, people can find that wherever they listen to podcasts, right? Yep. All over the place. Just search the Joe Health Show. Yeah, very good. And um, Dr. Pete, you don't have anything uh, to, to promote? I've, technology hates me. Uh, <laughs> I, you, know, I, you guys were helping me two hours before this, you know, make a microphone work. Uh, <laughs> I, I would like to get into it. I respect the people who really make a commitment to constantly put out content and keep the conversation going. So, John, I really appreciate what you're doing on the Joe L Show. And everybody who's doing that, I would like to get in the game. Uh, but I, my game is, is on the front lines with people, you yeah. know, and one-to-one and I got 15 minutes. Like you said, it's, it's a volume thing. I got 15 minutes and I do that all day long. And I'm, I'm the, you know, the fast, you know, the most busy guy in my office, a group of doctors and I work five days a week. And when I'm off, I, I enjoy reading science, but I need to take some time off, but I would really, really like to write a book. I, you know, I'd call it aging is optional. It's what I'm, you know, I've been, you know, tinkering with it for years. Maybe I'll have to knuckle down and, and take some time off and actually knock it out there. But uh, we can definitely slow the speed that we age. We can definitely live longer. Most of my research is not on weight loss or any macronutrients. But how do we live longer? Let's look at the blue zones in the world where people eat different and they live longer and they and their, their dementia rates are really low. I mean, they're living into their 90s and 100s and they know who they are. Right. <laughs> And yeah. so uh, it all has to do with inflammation and how do, how do you eat and active in a way to not, you know, burn yourself alive. Well, Dr. Pete, you're a joy to talk to and just full of information. So, I mean. Well, I've been told I'm full of it a lot. Thank you very much. <laughs> all, you need is a tech, all you need is a tech guy, man, to get you out there because, I mean, okay, it's, so been, well, a, it's been, a lot of, been a lot of fun. Seriously. I appreciate some help on the tech side if you want to help them. <laughs> Well, we'll talk. We are a net. We are a network. So if we okay. want to do a health health thing, maybe we'll we'll talk. Well, you know, I'd so. like to talk to you. We'd love, right, we'd love for you to podcast if you could. Okay, love to join in. So. Jonathan, man, appreciate you for doing this last minute, and love you, and definitely check out his podcast. He's an all around great dude, and um, he lives in my neck of the woods. So come see me again sometime. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks. This episode of Fade to Gray was edited by me. Music by Dan Koch at dancoke.net. If you like what you hear, make sure to go and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or become a member of our Patreon. Thanks for listening to the Fade to Gray Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets 
if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 